this play is so much about the actors. I mean, it hinges on the actors. We only have ourselves. We are the only people that are telling the story. We don't have props. We don't have set, really. You know, we just have ourselves. So I think Will wanted it to be sometimes really big. And he kept calling it a clown ballet. Because the way Brandon writes is really hilarious. And it's dark comedy. It's a very sad thing, but Brandon swims through it with humor. That's actor Ayanna Workman. She's talking about performing in Brandon Jacobs Jenkins' most recent play, Everybody, which opened the current season at Washington, D.C. Shakespeare Theatre Company. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. Theatre actors are singular people, embodying a character, letting their vulnerabilities lead, and performing before a live audience nightly. I think as a rule, they're very brave, a little mad, and I admire them greatly. Still nothing quite prepared me for what playwright and MacArthur fellow Brandon Jacobs Jenkins puts his actors through in his play Everybody. Everybody is inspired by Every Man, a 15th century morality play about Christian salvation and how to achieve it. Jacobs Jenkins adapts it for contemporary ears and sensibilities, not the least of which is renaming and reframing it as the more gender-inclusive everybody. Here's the plot. The character Everybody is visited by death, ready to take her to the great unknown. Everybody protests she is just not ready for this and asks if she can have some time to find a companion to join her. Death agrees, sure, if anybody's brave enough to come along. So everybody approaches friendship, kin, cousin, and stuff, and tries to convince one of them to go with her to meet death. As if playing allegorical characters isn't hard enough, Brandon also adds an additional challenge. The actors playing everybody, kin, cousin, friendship, and stuff rotate their characters and they are reassigned roles by lottery via balls in a bingo cage. At every performance, these five actors find out in front of the audience which character they're going to be performing that evening. And keep in mind, this includes the character of everybody who's the lead and is on the stage for the entire play. It's bold. It's innovative. It's a praise song to live theater, and it takes an extraordinary amount of preparedness and just plain chutzpah on the part of the actors. Ayanna Workman is up for the job. She is a young actress, really just beginning her career four years out of the conservatory, and she brilliantly played the role of cousin the night I saw everybody at the Shakespeare Theatre Company in D.C. Given her youth, Ayanna has racked up a pretty impressive resume. She's already played a number of classical roles, Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, both at New York City's Public Theater and the Shakespeare Theater Company, Perdita in Winter's Tale, and Banquo in Macbeth. Still, I wondered if she knew what she was getting into when she auditioned for everybody. I did. I auditioned for the original production, and when I first read it, I fell in love with it. I thought it was so clever. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so weird. And I thought it was also really like ambitious. I was like, how the hell are they going to do this? How are they, like, are they actually going to memorize the entire play? Because if anyone knows Brandon's work, 
he writes a lot. <laughs> he writes so much, kind of similar to Shakespeare. I've been saying this a lot, but he's he very it's in much my has, notes too. Yeah, he has such a meticulous way of his language, and everything is so intentional. But there are a lot of, for lack of a better phrase, like stream of consciousness aspects yep. of it. So I, my immediate thing was like, how is someone going to be able to learn all of this? But when I saw it, I was incredibly moved and had me really thinking deeply about, I mean, life and death. It was a very kind of scary, surprising, beautiful idea of this morality play in 2018 when I saw it. It intimidated me, but it also really excited me. So when I got the opportunity to audition for it again and I actually was cast in it, it was funny because everyone that I talked to said that I was crazy. <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? It's going to be so hard. And I was just really excited for the challenge. I had done a lot of classical work uh, in the past, and I've been really lucky to do a lot of Shakespeare, one of the most challenging writers in all of theater history. So I was like, you know, let me go to the next thing. So I was really excited for the challenge, but I don't think I really knew how hard it really was going to be. I mean, in theory, it was like, oh, cool. But in reality, it was very challenging. It pushed all of us, I think I can speak for all of us, to our past our limits. And it pushed me to discover like what I could really do. I mean, I feel like I can do a lot after this. I bet. Yeah. I, I, no doubt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it doesn't even mean you have to know the lines. And I mean, that yeah. man writes. He writes. But you have to know the blocking. You have to hit the marks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's also a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And every single character's marks. That's what Not I mean. Not even one character. Yeah, you got to every... know in, in the same scene. So you have to know, you know, everybody's blocking, but also cousin and kin's blocking. So that was definitely a mind puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> For a minute. Um, I really want to know what the rehearsal process was like. <laughs> Will Davis is is the director. He's a genius. How did he unpack this for you? What was that first day like? Well, he made it seem like it was going to be a very simple process. I mean, he, his enthusiasm and his excitement and his play, I don't know what it would have been like if we didn't have a person who was so open to play. Will Davis is not only a hilarious person, but he's so open to everything that an actor is willing to say or do or offer. So he was so much of like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to approach the rehearsal process like the lottery. So every single day, you're going to pick a character out of a hat, and we're going to start building the scene with with the character that you've chosen. So if I chose everybody and Kelly, who's in the cast, chose friendship, we were going to build it from there. And then we would get however far we got to, and then we would swap. But we discovered quickly that it was very difficult to remember all the things if we kept going of each character's like of the blocking so about like a week in we decided that we would block a scene with one iteration of the scene and then we would swap in and we would have another actor come in and play the same characters and through that we started to give and take and respectfully steal (laughs) well I was going to ask you that if you're working with a cast that is not just playing a role that you're going to be playing. Yeah. You're playing a role that you're going to be playing with them maybe the next day. Yeah. So I would imagine yeah. you're, you know, you're both inspired by that and you steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this idea of imitation. I remember as a kid I learned imitation is the highest form of flattery. It really is. Like I get to work with these amazing actors with these amazing ideas. And we very quickly were like, actually, like, this is an amazing idea. Let me take this. Let me take this. And it created this equality and it created this trust and it created this like beautiful mechanism of we're all in this together. You're just so connected 
with each other and so trusting of each other. And so like there's this equal playing field and playing ground that we created from jump because we had to because we had to trust each other that just like created this beautiful connection. And we all have each other's back for anything through anything every single day, you know, because we also all know each other's lines. So if anyone's like in a in a rut, we can pick up on that. You know what I mean? So it's all very connected and equal. Well, yeah, because I was going to ask you how the cast works together and and what's unique about Mm. being in this cast because of the way the five of you are literally switching out on a whim, literally, by the roll of the dice. Yeah, I I think this cast is really special and really unique. Will did a, I don't know how he did it, but he picked five individually different people. We all come from different backgrounds. We all identify as different things, different races, different pronouns. So we all have a very specific individual interpretation of the characters. So I think Will did a really good job in being able to tell a very specific story depending on who is playing each character. I think for some of us, for the first time, like we were able to give really who we are. We're not fitting into any character. We're just giving who we are. I get to actually just play myself. I don't have to fit into a character, and same goes with everyone else. There's an honesty there. Yeah, and also because you're not playing a character as much as a concept, concept. an idea. Yeah, yeah, and it was an interesting process in the beginning because I think we had a conversation once that was like, okay, so we called it the accent play for a minute because every single time we would go in with a new character, we would have a different accent because our ideas were like, like friendship is like this and kinship is like this and cousin is like this. And then and then there's stuff. And then there's stuff and stuff is very like, or stuff is hungover or stuff is manipulated or whatever it was. And we tried it that way. That's the cool thing about Will is that like no idea was wrong. We tried so many different things. I mean, this play has had so many different iterations. If you came the first day of previews and you came now, you wouldn't recognize the play. It's changed so much. Yeah, it's interesting because theater itself is so ephemeral. No matter what, and it's what I love about it, Hmm. no matter what play you see on a Tuesday, the person who sees it on Wednesday is seeing something else. Because it's it's different. It's live theater. Yeah, different energy, different moment in time. Exactly. But everybody is that way cubed. (laughs) Yeah, times a bajillion. Yeah, times a bajillion. Because you're literally seeing a different play. Exactly. And even if you're playing the same... And you're playing a different play. Exactly, exactly. You're playing a different part. And even if I played everybody twice in a row, the chemistry between each other character is going to be different. The story is going to be different if I have one actor one night playing friendship and I'm still playing everybody and a different actor is playing friendship. You know what I mean? Like that, quite that. So there's a lot of improv there. That's what I was going to ask you if there there is improv because it's not like an understudy where if an understudy plays everybody but the rest of the cast is playing who they usually play. Right. There's still there's something, something like anchoring. Exactly. Whereas with this, there's, nothing, there's none. There's like very little things that you can latch on to. Which makes me think if, uh, you know, how much improv is involved from yeah. performance to performance. I mean, we do we do have some anchoring in there. I don't want to say that like it's all improv, no, right? And like, that is true. And the beginning yes. of the show, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but if you are playing everybody right and you haven't played everybody for a minute, you have a character at the end who represents love, who has been doing it every single night, who's watched the show every single night. And the actor is so generous and lovely and beautiful that you can rely on that person if you're feeling lost. So there are things to hold on to. And then, yes, the blocking, the overall blocking is similar. But within it, there's a lot of room to play. 
which is kind of such a freeing blessing. You know, you don't always get to do that. You have some plays where like you you can't move your pinky the pinky this way. Or you you can you must not like you have to you can't turn left this time. You have to turn right. You know what I mean? And this is just like a a freeing thing of like everything is right. Like whatever you are, whoever you are in that moment is correct because it's who you are in that moment. And that's what we're following. And this is and that's what this audience is caring about is what what is everybody in this in this time, in this moment at that night, you know? Okay, so (laughs) what does it feel like to be up on that stage and that little lottery wheel is going around? Oh, my God. And you're about to pick. What does that feel like? scary (laughs) I mean it changes every night there's some nights where I'm like I'm ready for this like I'm so ready I want to play everybody and then there's some nights that I'm like you know what I would rather not do it tonight and that's the night that you'll probably get everybody (laughs) that's what I've noticed every time that I'm resistant to it for whatever I'm going like whatever I'm going through in that moment personal or not like just feeling tired or whatever that's the time where for whatever reason numbers universe whatever you believe in you pick that thing and you just have to say Yes, like no matter what, like if you want to do it or not, you're going to do it, right? You don't have any time. You pick the thing, you open it, you see that you're playing everybody, everyone sees who they're playing, everyone leaves you, and then it starts, you know? So the only option you have is, it sounds cheesy, but like it's just to say yes. Well, it's so much like life. I it's mean, it so really much is. like life. You don't we know make what's going to happen. We make all these plans yeah. and then who knows what's going to happen. Exactly. Life always has something in plan for you, in store for you. You never know what's going to happen next. And that's, I think, why Brandon decided to put this lottery into it. One of the many reasons maybe it's just to torture it. <laughs> no, but it's, I think it's because it's reflecting the randomness of death. You know, you never know when you're going to. Sometimes you do. A lot of times you don't. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's very representing of of life. And I think a lot of people can relate to it. And it's it's been it's been very visceral uh, for for many people. And I think they've been very, very affected by the lottery aspect, but by also just like being offered to death. Is there one character that you really don't like playing? <laughs> That's a good or, question. Or, you I never know, get the that one, one. Who's sort of at the bottom. It's I... just like, oh. I can do it. I oh can do God, it. Oh my God, I but, never get uh, that question. Uh, Only because no, I would. <laughs> yeah. Was there one that I was like, I don't want to do that. Um. Okay, so just for like logistical reasons, I think it would be stuff. Now, I will tell you that in rehearsal, when we were doing the lottery, I always drew stuff. It was my favorite. It was what I auditioned with. It's like one of the first table reads is what I read with. I loved stuff. Constantly got it. It was like the running joke. Like, Ayana was stuff. Since we started... I've drawn it twice, only twice. So I think it's not necessarily my least favorite because I still, I think it's one of my favorite scenes. But since I haven't done it much, it's kind of nerve wracking because I go up there and I'm like, oh, when, when's the blocking? What am I supposed to be doing? Da, 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 da. So in that way, if I had to say my least favorite, but I actually like it because it's it's fun. Once I'm up there, I'm just like, you know, I just let go and, and say yes. And I played it really recently and it was a really fun time. Is there one that gives you a, a tremendous amount of joy portraying or? Cousin. Cousin. I've played Cousin a lot, but I think Cousin is so funny. <laughs> it's in the it's in the family scene. And Cousin's just like throwing out all these like existential like concepts and ideas and is so oblivious. Yeah. And like 
of like and is being really genuine and and I think also like all of these characters are really genuine you know they're they're not ill willing they just don't want to die today you yeah. know like I just don't want to go with you so love ya bye bye and I think there's like a lot of comedy to that the way Brandon writes is really hilarious and it's dark comedy do you know what I mean like it's a very sad thing but Brandon kind of swims through it with humor you know I read it and I thought it was funny but surprised me how funny it actually was and we laughed a lot in rehearsal yeah we laughed a lot in the theater (laughs) the night I saw it yeah speaking of which I know your parents came Saturday night did you know they were going to be in the audience a and b was that unnerving for you oh god it's always unnerving when my parents come my mom my mom my dad came separately my dad came opening night which was really cool I was really excited that he got to come opening night and then my mom came this past weekend, she saw it three times in hopes to see me as everybody, and she saw me as everybody. She loved it. They both really loved the show. It's nerve-wracking to have my parents in the audience because both of them are artists, and both of them have very like specific views on art, very different views on art. They're 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 quite special, I think. But they love me, you know. And they they love anything that I do. I always joke like I could just stand up there and fart, and they would be like, <laughs> "Bravo!" <laughs> you know, they really they're really proud of me. I always get a little nervous when my dad is in the audience because I really, really respect his opinion and I want to know what he thinks all, at all times. But he he really enjoyed the show and he had a lot of questions. And my mom's a dancer, was a dancer and a choreographer. My dad's a musician and they often made pieces together. And a lot of it reminded me, like through rehearsal, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like the way my parents talk about theater. So it was cool for me to be able to show them something that I feel like is in line with what they what they have done or what they love to watch. So that's cool. We should say, and your dad is 2020 jazz master, Reggie yeah, Workman, the is. great bassist. Yeah, and so proud. What was that like growing up in a household where <laughs> art was so prevalent with your father and your mother? It was really special. I mean... Honestly, it was it was all I knew. I didn't know it was anything different until I became a teenager and I saw that not everyone went to like see Picasso paintings at two years old and had jazz musicians running around in the house like having jam sessions every weekend. I thought it was I thought it was normal. But looking back at it, it was really special. And if I ever have children, I would love to create that kind of environment for them. Everything was offered to me. They are obviously in the arts um, and from a very young age. You know, I was offered to play the piano. I was I was offered to play the the violin, the guitar. My mom had her own dance school in New Jersey. She opened up a dance school when I was three years old. So I grew up like in a dance studio. I had dance classes, theater classes, music classes every single day. My dad taught there too. They both founded it together. Um, it's still around. They just celebrated their 20th anniversary. Wow, what's the name of the school? Montclair Academy of Dance and Laboratory of Music. It's in Montclair, New Jersey. We lived in Montclair till I was 14, so they started it there, and then my mom still works there. I I had a really cool childhood. It was really special. I when my mom was was working or when she was out of town, my dad would bring me to. Um, I, I have like one memory of at the knitting factory. I was a baby, like small enough to be wearing footsie pajamas, and I had my footsie pajamas, and it was really really late. It was probably 10 or 11. And my dad was on stage playing, and I was really tired, so I like set up three chairs. And I like fell asleep like in the middle of the knitting factory, like on like like on probably like a school night, you know. Like I was I was exposed to um, like a lot of different people, and at the time I didn't know, but like met Abby Lincoln at a very young age and was around her. And my biggest memory is I saw my dad play with Alice before Alice Coltrane before she passed. Up until then, like I knew my dad was 
special and everyone loved him and he had this name. I mean, I guess I knew. I mean, I was just a kid, you know, I was just living a kid, like a kid life. But I, what we were in California and he was performing with Robbie Coltrane, Alice Coltrane. And um, I remember seeing something and feeling something like I never had before. And I was like, oh, like that's what this all is all about. Like he is, this is magic. In that moment, I realized how special, like special, for lack of a better word, my, my father is. And he's, he channels something else when he plays, you know. So I had moments like that, that, and my mom, I mean, my mom, too. And both of them had worked together a lot before I was born and also when I was, I was very little. So I was always around them performing and creating. It was a very creative household. We're always working. Like, we are always, all, I mean, workmen. <laughs> it's a good name. <laughs> it's in name. the name, man. Like, like, we're always, always working. There's always something new to this day. What drew you to acting, Ayana? I knew I wanted to be an actor since I was nine years old. I think I actually played Wendy in Peter Pan. I was a kid. My, my mom drove me to, when we still lived in New Jersey, she drove me to Strasbourg Studios every weekend. So for 10 years, I was going to Strasbourg for acting. So I always had that option. And uh, I played Wendy in, like, in a scene, and I loved it, and I felt so free. And at that moment, I was like, I looked at my mom, and I was like, I want to be an actress. And she was like, okay. My parents kind of like gave me a palette. It was just a matter of me choosing like what I wanted to do. I loved to dance, but I felt more free and more excited. I always loved movies. I always loved plays. And I really wanted to to be an actor since like a, since I was a small child. And then I like dabbled in other things. And then when I was time to go to college, I remember my dad. My dad was like, if you're going to do it, do it. So then I decided to go to conservatory. He was like, just go for it. And then, you know, when you graduate, you still have your entire life ahead of you. If you want to change it, change it. But my dad was a huge huge part of this. And my mom was always there, like encouraging me to, no matter what I did, she would be there for me. Do you remember your first professional role? Uh, you might not. That's fine. Well, okay. Technically, it was when I was still in college. It was a show written by my mother called Guernica Continuum. And it was my freshman year of college. And it was in Slovenia, where my mother is from. My mother's Slovenian. I go there every year. I speak Slovenian. And she produced a play at uh, SNG Maribor. Maribor is the town that she's from. We have a home there. So that was like the first the first time that I was professionally, you know, like I was in a playbill and there was an audience and all that and I got paid. And that was the first time. But my first professional role in America was Juliet in Romeo and Juliet at the Public Theater. Oh, not small potatoes <laughs> at all. Yeah, what a debut. No Are you serious? I'm serious. It was pretty insane. That was my first... My first professional role. Um, okay, walk me through that. What was that like? <laughs> Insane, Joe. It was crazy. It's still, it doesn't get old. It was the coolest, most special, lucky, most beautiful thing I've ever gotten to be a part of. I had graduated college in 2015 and I had been doing like local stuff and working with friends and uh, working on like a, you know, like unpaid jobs a lot, just like trying to get out there, trying to get connections. And I got an audition for Juliet. I didn't think I had a chance. So I just like went in there full throttle and worked really hard and had a bunch of auditions, like five, five or six auditions. Uh, they kept calling me back, kept calling me back. And then I booked it and it was for the mobile unit, which is a program that the public has where they take a Shakespeare play and they bring it around New York and all, uh, all of the boroughs. And you go to community centers, you go to art centers, and then you also go to prisons, correctional facilities. 
and you go to homeless shelters or different different kinds of community facilities. So that was dope. It was the coolest first job ever. It was the coolest first job ever because not only was it Juliet, beyond that, I was able to tell this story to people that really, really, really wanted to hear it and really, really want, were, were hungry to be brought into a, a different world for, for 90 minutes. And who don't often get a chance to go to theater. Yeah. It was so, so special and so uplifting and so encouraging. And it, it started my career off in a very interesting way where I, I kind of understood why I was doing it right away. I was like, I'm doing it for this reason. I'm doing it to tell stories for to people who really need them. And then I came to STC right after that and played Juliet again. It all unfolded. And then it all unfolded. And yeah. that's the Shakespeare Theater Company. Yeah, Shakespeare Theater Company. Yes. You're now doing everybody. Yes. You, you mentioned you've done a lot of classical theater mm-hmm. and, and Shakespeare mm-hmm. um, and the biggies, too. Yeah, I guess I have. <laughs> what draws you to Shakespeare? I find it Shakespeare to be a template. First of all, so beautiful, right? This language is, is absolutely stunning. But more than that, the stories, I think the reason why we still do it, they're so relatable and epic and human that they can be molded and changed and shifted to any time period. Any kind of person can be speaking at any location. So I felt like I could fit in the world of Shakespeare. I felt like I didn't have to jam myself to be someone else. I felt like I could, like me as Ayana, could be Juliet. I felt that the worlds are as open and as inclusive that any kind of actor can be a part of it. So not only can I be in it, but anyone can relate to it. And that was a huge experience of me doing Shakespeare, was playing Juliet and being an African-American young girl. I had some experiences of audience members telling me stories and saying thank you for being up there and representing me. And I'm lucky that I started there because it it affirmed why I'm, I'm doing it and is still why I'm doing it. You know, you mentioned auditioning, and I have to, I, that has to just so suck. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that has to be one of the hardest things in the world to yeah. do. How do you prepare yourself for it? And how do you take care of yourself? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> well, how do I take care of myself? I'm lucky that I've gotten a lot of chances to audition being in the profession for four years now professionally. Um, But, you know, you have to just trust in yourself. And I know that that sounds a lot easier said than done, but there's so much that goes into it that's beyond your control. All you can do is offer what you have. Do you know what I mean? And and my version of that is working, working really hard to be able to let it go. So everything that I get, whether it be classical, five different scenes, or whether it be two lines on a TV show that says, would you like some more water, sir? Whatever it might be, I prepare as much as I need to for that. And I do all my homework. If I have the time to do it, if I'm lucky enough to have time, and if not, I do it as much as I can. And then I let go and trust that like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and know that I put my best foot forward. As long as I'm doing as well as I know I can do, that's all I can do. And I know that the person on the other side sees that and maybe will remember me for another thing if I don't book that thing. But I'm very at peace with the fact that I don't have much control. And I think that actually helps me be okay with it and keep going. There's some things that hurt more that, you know, there's some things that, you know, you really, really want and you don't get it and it's sad. But I got some advice a little while ago. You get 24 hours to be sad about it and then you move on because, you know, the next thing might be right around the corner. 
And it's a cool thing. It's like I know in my career I've gotten the coolest opportunities. I've gotten a lot of no's, but the yeses that I've gotten have been really important. So I just trust that the the right yes is down the line at some point. Yeah. And what's next? Do you know? I do. I do know. It was just announced, so I can say it. <laughs> so in this past spring, I did an all-female production of Macbeth by William Shakespeare. Uh, it was through Red Bull Theatre Company at the Lucia Lortel Theatre. And we are remounting it through, oh. yeah, we're remounting it through Hunter Theatre Project, who's run by Gregory Mosier. And he saw the show and he was like, I really believe in this show, so I want to bring it to my program. So that's going to be happening in the beginning of January and running for a month till the beginning of February. So I'm going back to that cast and there's some of the old cast and there's some new people coming in. I'm really, really excited about it. It was like one of the most fun shows that I've done. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. That's fabulous. So I Who did that you play? Out. I played Banquo. Yeah. But the, there's a twist. So it's a modern adaptation. So it's a bunch of schoolgirls. The concept is that we love this play called Macbeth. So every day after school, we go into this junkyard, essentially, and like put on this play. So I'm playing a schoolgirl playing Banquo. Oh, that's so, it, so smart. So it goes in and out of like this schoolgirl character and then Banquo and then Banquo is a ghost. And we have a really cool twist on that. It's unlike a lot of other productions. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, you should come. I'm definitely you have to going. come. It's it's really really fun. And all and all women, which I'm is so notes. special. It's a really cool energy that we've cultivated, so. Ayana, thank you so much. It, it was a great play. Ah, you were wonderful in it. And thank you for coming thank in. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank all right, you so thanks, much. Joe. Sure. That's actor Ayana Workman. You can find out more about her and her upcoming performances at ayanaworkman.com. And if you want to know about NEA Jazz Masters, just go to arts.gov. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. You can subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts, so please do. And leave us a rating on Apple because it helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>